Hey friends, welcome back to the Seacoast Community Church Podcast. This is our last episode for the month and covering the book, A Camaraderie of Confidence by John Piper. And uh, this is sort of a short biography and lessons from the lives of George Mueller, Charles Spurgeon, and Hudson Taylor. And so we have already covered uh, George Mueller and Charles Spurgeon, and today we are talking about Hudson Taylor, who may be unfamiliar to to some of you. And so, uh, so Hudson. So let's talk about Hudson Taylor, and beginning with uh, his uh, his conversion, which is pretty remarkable. So Hudson Taylor uh, was born in 1832 and uh, died in 1905. Now, Hudson Taylor grew up in a Methodist home, and his conversion was actually pretty dramatic. So there was one day when his mother was um, was traveling, was far from home, and she suddenly sensed a, a I don't know, a, an intense desire to, to pray for her son, uh, who she knew that wasn't converted. And he himself knew at the time that he was not converted. Uh, he was a young man at the time um, in his uh, uh, his late teens. And so she felt this compulsion to pray for him. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed and just pleading, just begging God for her son's salvation. And then at one moment in her prayers, she felt a sense of peace and felt that God was assuring her that her son is saved. Now, what was Hudson uh, doing while uh, his mother was praying for him? So he was back home, and he was just browsing uh, through some of his father's books, um, not uh, looking for something to, I don't know, to buy the, to buy the time. He was he was. It seems like he was kind of bored, so he was perusing through some of the books. Uh, not interested. Not interested. He came one through one particular book, and. Uh, so he he picked it up and was reading uh, some of it uh, until and I think it maybe it was a, it sounds like it maybe it had been a sermon, but anyways he came to this particular uh, this part in this in this specific work. Not we're not really sure what it was exactly that he was reading, but he came to the words that said the finished work of Christ, and at that very moment that there was like a a, a light turned on. In his life, and and in that moment, uh, he he actually he he gave his life to Christ. That those those few words were the words that God used to to convert him and draw him to Himself and make him uh, a child of the living God. And so, when his mother got back home, he goes to his mom and says, "Mom, guess what?" And she says, "I know, son." You've given your life to Christ. And he was blown away. He's like, how did you know? And she says, she simply said, God told me. Isn't that remarkable? Uh, that is absolutely amazing, man. And this is why we need to keep praying uh, for for loved ones who do not know the Lord Jesus. And maybe we just can need, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder how many of us have just given up or have just forgotten to pray for those that we sincerely and dearly want to be saved um, don't give up praying for them 
And maybe what we need to do is just go before the Lord and plead and plead and beg until <laughs> until the Lord sees fit to, to answer our prayers. So uh, dramatic conversion, praise the Lord for that. Uh, four years later, he is heading off to China uh, to do missions. And he was with a particular organization. Uh, but if you remember, uh, George Mueller uh, established his ministry on the on the on the provision of God and prayer alone. George Mueller shared similar convictions with uh, some of the ministries that he oversaw and started. And Hudson Taylor knew these men pretty well, and he came under the same conviction. And the particular organization that sent him to do missions in China was a particular organization that actually took out loans uh, and credits to for for gospel work. Whether that's right or wrong, that's a discussion for another time. Uh, but he came under the conviction that this wasn't right. And so he actually dropped out of this particular organization. And, uh, but anyways, uh, so he, uh, he comes down uh, with, uh, with a, a, a pretty bad illness. And he was married at the time. So he and his wife travel back to England. And he was uh, incredibly discouraged uh, to be back uh, in England, he's wanted to be overseas. He's wanted to do missions work and evangelize to uh, to uh, to the Chinese people, and so very discouraged. But it was in this moment, in this hiatus from ministry, that the Lord uh, just gave him a just a an incredible desire to not only minister to uh, to people in China, but to establish his own organization that would be. Uh, grounded uh, in the providence of God, established by prayer, and not uh, taking on debt. So he just essentially decided that he will start his own organization now that he was out of this, the previous one that sent him. So he established the China Inland Mission. And uh, he was 33 years old at the time. I mean, can you imagine that? 33 years old and establishing your own missions organization. He spent four years in England. And uh, when he left England uh, to go back to China, he, he uh, along with him came a group of missionaries. In fact, it was the largest group of missionaries that had ever sailed to China. Uh, it was 16 in total besides him and his wife. And so, uh, and so this is where they, uh, he spends the rest of his life and uh, so at the time of Taylor's death, just to see the fruit of his, of his ministry, the endurance of that ministry, uh, by the time, by, at, at Hudson Taylor's death, uh, the China Inland Mission was an international body with 825 missionaries living in 18 provinces of China, more than 300 mission stations, and more than 500 local Chinese helpers and 25,000 Christian converts. Absolutely astounding. And to think, again, he started the China Inland Mission when he was 33. I mean, folks, this is, this is what happens when you give your life entirely to God and allow the Lord just to use you as he will. And you, uh, you can attempt great things, uh, take great risks for the Lord. Uh, and this is what he did. 
he felt compelled by the Lord to do this, and this is what happened. And look at the fruit of his ministry, not because of what he did, but he was an instrument in God's hands uh, that and God saw fit uh, through his work and many others to draw many people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let me conclude with uh, a couple of lessons from his life. This is a man who... Uh, who had a just a, a an abiding presence with the Lord Jesus. He he pursued an abiding an abiding with Christ, and he he once wrote, "Union is not identical with abiding. Union is uninterrupted, but abiding may be interrupted. If abiding be interrupted, sin follows. As believers, we are united with Jesus Christ." No one can separate us uh, from Jesus Christ. But abiding is something that we actively pursue. Right? Jesus tells us in, in the Gospel of John that we must abide in him, abiding in the vine. And in this way, we bear fruit and so prove to be his disciples. And so abiding is something that we actively do because we have a union with Jesus Christ. And uh, and so this is... and. He believed that one of the primary means of abiding in Jesus Christ is through the Word. It is digesting the Word of God. He actually once wrote, Many fail to abide because they habitually fast instead of feed. Right, So many Christians uh, fast from the Word of God when they should be feeding on the Word of God. And so this is, uh, what a wonderful lesson. Uh, and it's wonderful, it's helpful to think of it in that way. And so we must not fast from the Word of God, but we must feed on the Word of God as our living bread, as our sustenance, as the means by which we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, given that he was a missionary, he also experienced trials in his life, as most, if not all, missionaries do. It's part of, really, it's, it's part of the job description, I would think, as a missionary, uh, that you will suffer trial. You know, and all Christians do suffer trials, but I think that missionaries more so, generally speaking. And, and one of the things that helped him to endure the trials and the sufferings of his life was believing two things. One, that these trials was God's way of deepening and sweetening his experience of union with Jesus Christ. He would say that it is in these moments of trial when you are suffering that God shows and dispenses his grace in a way that is uh, perceived to be much more beautiful and much more powerful than when things are fine in your life. And he also drew encouragement from the fact that uh, that God is absolutely good and he is sovereign over suffering. And so knowing that God is in control gives should give us encouragement that, that whatever happens in our lives, whatever circumstances, whatever situations that we would never want on ourselves or anybody else, no matter what trials or testing or sufferings we might experience, believing and trusting in the fact that God is sovereign over that particular trial or suffering that you are experiencing can help you give relief, can help you experience a sense of relief and peace because you know that God intends it for good and that God is in control of it. 
And so, and so there you have it. Uh, there are uh, some lessons from the life of Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, Charles Spurgeon. It is, uh, it is so refreshing to read about these stories of, of Christians who have lived before us. And I think of, I forget which, I forget where it is. I think it's in 1 Corinthians where it tells us that they, with, with regards to the scriptures, that they are written for our instructions through that through them and through endurance, uh, we may actually receive uh, encouragement. I'm, I'm totally butchering the passage. Um, and it's my paraphrase. But essentially, it tells us that the scriptures were written for our instruction and for our encouragement. Praise the Lord for that. And I think we also have the lives of those who come before us as also a means of instructing us and encouraging us in the faith. And so I hope that you have found uh, the, the stories of these men uh, encouraging to your life and soul. And so we will be returning back uh, next week and we will be... Uh, Oh, wow, yeah, it'll be December, actually, and we'll be uh, just concluding another year, and an, another year of uh, of good books. Uh, there are some that I probably wouldn't have uh, chosen um, or would have replaced for something else, but anyways, but for next month, we will be reading uh, The Crook and the Lot uh, by a Puritan whose name is Thomas Boston, so I hope that you'll uh, stay tuned for that, and catch you next time and uh, God bless.